Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks, folks, for tuning in again. If you were with us last week, you know that we had a great time with my guest talking about uh, scary penalties and things to watch out for if you're a business owner. This week, I'm very excited to have with me a longtime colleague and friend, Holly Conley, who's with a company called Insurance Now. What we're going to talk about is what's been going on with with health insurance in the individual market as well as the small group market. And when we talk about the individual market, you're going to hear things like on exchange and off exchange, which makes everything so exciting. And for those of you who are tuning in the first time and wondering why is there a web radio show called The Insurance Deal, it's because insurance in itself is actually riveting and exciting. What's that you say? Stay tuned and you will find out why. There are so many facets to the insurance world, not just the health insurance side, but in the coming weeks as we get to know each other, you're going to learn about property and casualty. I am setting up a guest as we speak to talk about kidnapping insurance. So if you think you are the most valuable person in the world, you will want to tune in when we get to that. But let me go ahead and introduce you to my guest, Holly Conley. She's the vice president of a company called Insurance Now. And she not only has great experience in the health insurance world, but when she started out, she was an EMT and has also worked in a doctor's office. So Holly has a wide range of knowledge that she's going to be able to share with us today. And I'd like to start out by asking, you know, how did people get their start in the health insurance world? So, Holly, welcome to the insurance deal. And if you will give us a little bit of background on what led you to insurance. Sure. Good morning. I started out when I was 18 working at a hospital in an admissions office where I took insurance all day long. And then I went from there to working and managing a medical practice where I where I uh, uh, talked about insurance with my clients all day long with my patients. So one day I was complaining to my father who owned his own insurance agency and said, why don't you insurance agents help your clients understand their insurance because that's all I do all day long. And his short but sweet reply was, well, you could come here and do that and be an insurance agent. So here I am. Wow. See, now part of that story I had not heard before. So, well, so do you think you've done a really good job of educating people on how their insurance works and how to use it? I've tried. (laughs) I'm sure you have. I bet you've done better than the, the average insurance broker on that. Um, so, all right, so so how many years have you been involved in health insurance? Uh, this will be my 20th year in health insurance as an agent. Mm-hmm. Before that, from the time I was 16, I was working with insurance and insurance claims. So I'm really old now. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, it's been about 30 or 35 years. No, that's all right. I mean, so you got, as far as working in an insurance office, you and I landed in there about the same time. And um, when you when you first got into it, what was the marketplace like? Were you focused just on individual or small group? Um, we started our business looking to offer insurance to small groups, but we realized at the time the way the insurance market was, if you were a small group, small enough, like you know under ten employees, 
then it actually was less expensive for you to offer an individual insurance plan. So a lot of small group employers that we were advertising to, we ended up writing on an individual plan if they could qualify and if they didn't have uh, too many issues with their employer taxes. So at that time, you could actually pay your employees' health insurance premium, though that's no longer the case. Mm -hmm. So we built our business on a small group but ended up with mostly individual clients. So now we have a mix. Um, We actually have mostly individual clients but also have small groups and I think one large group. Mm-hmm. So, and for, for folks listening, if you're a business owner, when we say small group, we are talking about businesses with two to 50 employees. That's usually what small group is. And you have probably in the last few years felt the, the pinch on your budget that's created by the fabulous ACA Obamacare. And like I like to say with the Affordable Care Act, if you will open up a dictionary and look up the word affordable and then let us know if that applies. What are the words affordable? Define that. Care. Define that. Act. Well, it certainly is acting like it's affordable, but it's not. Um, so small group. So what you said about individual, that's interesting. So back you know, back well before the Affordable Care Act, you're saying that individual plans were more affordable than small group plans. Right. The average employee may not have seen that because at that time the employer was paying, they're required to pay 50% of the employee premium, but most employers are paying 80 to 100% of the employee's premium, and a lot of them were pay- paying the family premium as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, due to the cost of the, we call it in our office, the Unaffordable Care Act, Ah. um, it is now less expensive to buy a small group plan, but it's so expensive that most employers cannot afford to pay, a lot of them can't afford to pay even the 50% requirement, but most can't afford to pay over the 50%, and most can't afford to pay for the uh, family coverage as well. Right. So that's where I was going with the whole individual thing. I knew that when the Affordable Care Act went into place, uh, gosh, was it 2014 that we had to start selling small groups in that way, um, taking them to the metal plans, bronze, silver, gold, platinum. Oh, wait, who's buying a platinum plan? Nobody. Who's buying a gold plan? Nobody. And honestly, the silver plans are too expensive. So we've got everybody going to bronze. But what... What I became aware of when the ACA first came out was that small groups were dropping their group plans and putting people on individuals. So it looks like history has repeated itself in that when you started selling in the insurance world, individual plans were more affordable. Then it got to where small group plans were more affordable. Then with healthcare reform, back to individual plans were more affordable, but now because the way the exchange is failing, then everybody's, are you seeing an influx back to small group plans? I am, and let me explain to you why. Back in the day when we put people on individual plans for small groups, the employers were paying a portion of their premium. When that jump started happening, and, I mean, we lost probably a half to three-quarters of our small group plans. They sent everybody to individuals with the idea, we're just going to pay part of their premium, and we'll we'll let them get on the exchange. So, and that's the exchange, for those of you who don't know, that's the uh, tax credit, and it's based on your income or the family's income. Well, quickly that became 
uh, a problem for the administration when they realized, oh, these people are getting tax credits and the employers are paying their portion for their insurance. So they put a law in place to stop that. So an employer, if they pay the employee's premium, they cannot deduct it off of their taxes at all. The and employer can, cannot deduct it? No, not okay. at all. And they can't, the employee has to be taxed on the money that the employer pays for it. Mm-hmm. So it has to be reported as income on there. Okay. So that loses any appeal to the employee because now it's no longer cheaper for the employee to have that and the employer is not getting the employer benefits. So if the, if the, well, if the government gets involved, and unfortunately the government is involved in our health care, um, do you think there's any chance that they would switch back to where an employer could pay for a portion of an individual plan and take a tax credit? I don't think they'll be allowed to as far as and take a tax credit. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at, first off, you have to look at the dollar amounts that are required for a family to have a tax credit. Mm-hmm. And the laws state that if they qualify for any portion to be paid by an employer, they cannot have a tax credit. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, so they've closed that loophole up. So in terms of individual plans on the exchange, are is there a range of what income a person actually gets a tax credit? I mean, I know it's, you know, based on a whatever percentage of the federal poverty level, and you can clean up what the the FPL is. But when you're talking about how much does a person make where they can actually get a subsidy from the government, which, by the way, subsidy from the government means taxpayer dollars. So that means you and me, well, if you're listening and you don't pay taxes, then not you. But for those who are listening that do pay taxes, Our tax dollars are going to subsidize people within a certain income range. So, Holly, what do you you think for an income range for a subsidy? Well, it's a sliding scale. And here in Georgia, it's kind of ironic because the people who most need the tax credit that you would think of, you know, your your part-time worker in a minimum wage job, is actually going to end up with too little income to qualify for a tax credit. Now, that actually flies in the face of what everybody would have thought when Obama was talking about health care available to everyone. He never really said free health care. He just made it sound like free health care. So you would think the people making the least amount of money would need the most help. Yet you're saying there's a dollar amount where if you're below that dollar amount, you fall out of the equation? Correct. You can actually get a letter to file on your taxes when you tax saying that you didn't make enough money to be able to qualify for a tax credit, and it gives you a waiver from having to pay the penalty uh, for not having health insurance. So it still allows you to go without. So you have a waiver for the penalty, but you have no insurance. Correct. And what's that that, that dollar amount if you make that much or less? So for an individual that is a household size of one, that's an adult with no children and no spouse, this year it's $11,880. So if a person is trying hard, they've got a part-time job and they're doing the best they can to keep a roof over their head, maybe rent a room in someone's home at that kind of income, the government, well, under Obamacare, the Obama administration is saying, hey, thanks for trying, but you're not quite there, and not only are you 
living off of scraps, but we're not going to help you with your health insurance, which is what he pretty much campaigned on. Correct. Wow. Okay. And what if a person is unemployed? What they have no income. So from zero income to eleven thousand some odd dollars. What does what does the unemployed person do? They they have nothing available to them. In some states, there is something called Medicaid expansion. Georgia did not elect to uh, have Medicaid expansion. And let me explain that a little bit because I hear a lot of people throw off on that. Mm -hmm. But here in Georgia, we have a very, very large number of self-employed people. Mm -hmm. Now, on self-employed people, you have your business tax and you have your personal tax. Mm -hmm. So someone like me who's self-employed, I have my business taxes and I write off things like, you know, my office furniture, my computer, things like that that are associated with running our business. Mm-hmm. A lot of self-employed people run their businesses out of their house. Mm-hmm. Now, technically, they should only deduct certain things off. But in today's society, you know, it's it's just like people were giving Trump flack for writing off of excess on his taxes. Mm-hmm. People are writing off everything, like if they're at their house. I've gone to houses before that were million-dollar houses to talk to a self-employed person, and when they showed me their income tax return, it showed them making negative $50,000 for the year. Okay. That person would qualify for Medicaid if we did Medicaid expansion here in Georgia. Okay. We are going to go to a break, but that's a lot that you just said, so we may be able to spend the entire next segment digging into everything that Holly just said. You guys, this is the Insurance Deal. I'm Ellen Deal. Our special guest today is Holly Conley with Insurance Now. We're going to go to a commercial and be right back. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Insurance Deal. I am your host, Ellen Deal. If you find yourself with any questions that you want to email in, I'm going to give you my email address so you can go ahead and jot this down. It's idealsolutions at gmail.com. And that deal part is spelled D-I-E-H-L. So idealsolutions at gmail.com. If you've got any questions about any facet of insurance, I can help you out. And if not me, I will connect you with the people who have the resources to do that. Our very special guest this week is Holly Conley, the Vice President of Insurance Now, an excellent, outstanding company that does a great job for their individual and small group customers as long as we have an individual market in Georgia. So we are in our second segment here, and we have so much left to talk about. Before we left off at the break, Holly was beginning to talk about some some uh, folks that are self-employed and some creative tax deductions that they were able to come up with. And Holly, if you want to give your email address for any folks that have questions about individual or small group, anytime you feel like working that in or right now would be great. Okay, my email address is Holly, that's H-O-L-L-Y, at insurance hyphen or dash like the phone number, now, N-O-W, dot com. All right, super. So um, I was I was really surprised before we headed out for the break to hear you say that there was a person who was able to come up with enough deductions that showed they had a negative fifty thousand in income. Now, did that make them? Well, that would not make them eligible for a subsidy because they correct. Okay, so how did they work that to their advantage? Yeah. If we had Medicaid expansion in Georgia, they would have qualified for Medicaid. So the fact that we don't have Medicaid in Georgia, which which that went into the research as to how many people are self-employed and work out of their houses. Uh, because you have, like, I work out of my house, but my house payment is not deductible for me. Now, there is probably a CPA out there, or a bunch of them, who can figure out a way that my groceries are deductible, my house payments deductible, my gas, my car, everything. Uh, my CPA doesn't see it that way, and I think that it's right that I should pay my fair share of taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everyone has that mindset. And so the last thing I want to see is somebody who has a million-dollar income. Granted, they're reinvesting some of it, and some of it they're reinvesting into their big house. But the last thing I want to do is see them with quote-unquote, free insurance or reduced payment insurance. So they're not able to get a subsidy on the exchange, but they were they were taking advantage of the Medicaid expansion? They would have if Georgia had had, had a Medicaid expansion. They would be qualified for it. So right now Medicaid is just for people with, what is it, renal kidney failure um. and... Um, you would have to look at the guidelines from the, the Department of Family and Children's Services. Sure. But the majority of people, it's based on their children or if they're pregnant or, or do have in-stage health conditions like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Um, so in in talking with, with brokers over time, I've also heard stories of people that had a subsidy 
But when it came down to it, if, even though their their cost, not their premium, because they were being subsidized, their premium might have been four hundred dollars, but their their cost once they got the subsidy was just a fraction of that, maybe $30, maybe $40 a month. But some of these people did not even want to pay that small amount of monthly premium because they just cared that little about their own health. Have you run into any scenarios like that? Yeah, the first two years that we had the tax credits in place, over 50% of the people that dropped off of the insurance because they didn't make their monthly premiums either had between a dollar and thirty dollars as their payment and they had to be at least three months delinquent before they could be canceled for non-payment but that was the majority of our book of cancellations is people that owed that little didn't pay and when we called them you know they were off on vacation at Disney World or you know they were out of town for whatever reason or they just said oh you know I got my physical so I don't need it anymore so how, as as Americans, do we get people to buy into the idea of even paying their small subsidy? I don't know that you can change a person's mindset to get them to pay for their own health insurance when it's that small of an amount. Oh, yeah. And we've, we've had many people who will call us up and they'll be on $1,000 worth of medication. And they'll want to get on a health insurance plan, and, of course, they'll want the richest plan that they can get, which certainly I understand that. Uh, but then they'll turn their nose up at paying 30 or 40 or $50 a month. That's, wow, that's, I'm just going to say it, that's crazy. Uh, if I was paying 30 or $40 a month, I would be over the moon. Right now, and I may have talked about this in last week's episode, um, in 1996, so about 20 years ago, a single rate in a small group, I was selling small group for a large insurance carrier at the time, and single rates on a 10-man group were about $100 per employee per month. So you saw the employer picking up all of that cost, I mean, 100%, and folks got used to the idea of someone else paying for their health insurance, which you know, is great. But now here we are 20 years later and the cost for that same employee in that same 10 person group is now $750 a month. And you're not even talking about the same souped up, low deductible, huge PPO network plan. You're talking about a slimmed down network and a bronze or silver mandated plan that nobody's really happy with and now the employee might be having to pay 50 percent of the cost and they think their employer is not doing anything for them when in reality their employer is coming out of pocket a lot more than they were 20 years ago um let's let's talk about penalties and their effectiveness um what are you what are you seeing with people individuals people in small group plans and penalties uh, we're not if you have insurance and you keep insurance all year long you can go with a little gap like if you're changing insurances because you're changing jobs or whatever you can go with a little gap and they won't penalize you um, one of the number one calls that I've gotten since this year's health insurance debacle within our government 
is oh. under Obamacare. Oh, under I've Obamacare. Heard now under Trump, I've heard that that we don't have to pay the penalty anymore for not having coverage. That's that is one of the things that Trump wanted to accomplish, hopes to accomplish, and did give guidance to the IRS saying be as lenient as you can. But there is nothing because the Congress and the Senate so far has failed to work together to come up with a plan, there is nothing in writing that says that you're not going to be penalized, that there's not a mandate in place. There is a mandate still in place. There is still a penalty. Looking on the IRS website, uh, for an individual with an annual income of $40,000, for example, and no coverage during the year, the penalty would be $741, which is not a huge penalty for going without a plan that's going to cost you $700 every month. Mm -hmm. Um, For a couple with an annual income of $90,000 with no insurance, the penalty would be $1,732. So the penalties are still out there. They're honestly not that stiff. I mean, definitely not stiff enough to keep somebody like me from paying $800 a month Mm -hmm. if I thought I was, you know, invincible and not going to need it. But there's also another thing out there that people aren't realizing is that if you are, quote-unquote, off exchange, which means you're not getting a tax credit, you cannot just go directly to the insurance company when you need insurance. You actually need insurance all year long. That's why I say it that way. But, you know, if something comes up, you you develop a cyst the size of a golf ball on your face or something like that. Uh You can't go and get an insurance plan. You have to do it at open enrollment. And, like, right now, our phones ring off the hook. There's nothing we can do to help people other than something called a short-term or a limited benefit, which is still going to get you a penalty. It's not going to cover your pre-existing condition, and it's only going to be there for a short period of time before you have to put something else in place. So this year, um, if I recall, the open enrollment period is shrinking. Uh, what was the open enrollment period last year, and what is it lined up to be this year? Last year was November 1st to December 31st. This year, it's November 1st to December 15th. Okay, so you have 15 less days to cram all these people into a health plan that, let's see, of the 159 counties, and, and I'm going to ask your, your brain to go back a few years if if, if, we, if either of us can pull the number of carriers, uh, it, when Obamacare first landed on the scene, let's talk about how many carriers there were when it first started out, whereas now, here it is, July of 2017, and we already know that Aetna Coventry is going to drop out of the exchange, that means the Obamacare Affordable Not Care Act, uh, for 2018. That's going to leave for the state of Georgia, 159 counties across our great state, Blue Cross is going to be available in all of those counties. Are they offering all of their plan options or just some of the limited plan options? They'll have different plans available in the different counties, but they also aren't in a situation where they couldn't pull out Mm -hmm. right now. Um, Originally, until just a month ago, they were saying they were going to pull off of the marketplace or the exchanges. Mm -hmm. Um, And then somehow, miraculously, they changed their mind. Last year, they changed their mind about the time six carriers pulled out of the marketplace mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Blue Cross was given an opportunity to refile their rates. Okay. And they did that with a 17% increase above what they had already filed. 
Hmm. Okay. So uh, we've got plenty, plenty more topics to cover. Um, We're going to go into another break, you guys. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about what insurance companies are left in the state of Georgia. We may delve into a little bit more of what penalties have been. If you are an individual, if you are self-employed, if you are a small business and you don't understand your health insurance, stay tuned. Um, I'm Ellen Deal. This is the Insurance Deal, and Holly Conley with Insurance Now is going to help you understand what your options are. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello again, everybody. I am Ellen Deal, and welcome back to Episode 2 of the Insurance Deal. Before we left off on the break, we were talking about insurance companies that are left in the state of Georgia and what that means for you. Uh, anything we're talking about, you need to stop and think about what that means for you. Just because we're saying insurance company names and you might have insurance through your employer, don't just think, oh, I'm good, I'm okay. You need to think about everything and how it ties in and impacts you. My very special guest today is Holly Conley with Insurance Now. She handles individual insurance as long as there's an individual market left and as long as the insurance companies continue to pay agents and brokers, and she does a great job for her small groups as well. Um, I'm not going to be shy about talking about the reality of uh, people getting paid for what they do. Uh, anybody who's listening that has a job, you are getting paid. You are not a benevolent society that shows up at your job for 40 hours a week or more to make zero income. And that's the same thing with agents and brokers across our great United States of America. They need to be paid for what they do. Anyone who's ever tried to work directly with an insurance company, God love them, but you know the the pain that you can go through and the runaround that sometimes you can get, which is why it's so important to have a licensed agent working on your behalf. But these agents can't work if they're not getting paid. So with that long preface in mind, Holly, let's go back to, of the 159 counties in Georgia, what insurance companies are left, how recently have others pulled out, and what does it look like for the future of agents getting paid? Well, first off, 
two years ago, there were, well, gosh, four years ago, there were 10 insurance companies for individual plans. Uh, they slowly dwindled down. Last year, six carriers left the market before mm-hmm. 2016. Um, so that left us with Blue Cross, uh, Kaiser Permanente. On the exchange, there's a company called Ambetter, which is affiliated with a lot of peach care accounts, if you're familiar with those Medicaid mm-hmm. coverages. And then in some outlying areas, there was a company called Alliant. Mm-hmm. Um, on the marketplace in the Atlanta area, there are no H, uh, no PPO plans or POS plans available if you get a tax credit. They're all HMO. Mm. So if you get a tax credit, you are relegated to one of those three companies, Blue Cross, Kaiser, and Better. Unless you live out in some outlying areas, you may have a PPO called Alliant out there. Right. Um, if you're in a lot of the southern counties, Blue Cross is your only option. Um, and that, I think, will be the same this year according to what Blue Cross has told us so mm-hmm. far. Kaiser's also told us that they intend to be a, a, available both on and off the marketplace, and the Ambetter will also be available on the marketplace only. Um, Alliant has announced that they're planning on coming in, but they haven't given, given any details whether they're expanding their market. So in the Atlanta area, you won't see Alliant, and you won't see outside of Georgia, you won't see several of these companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask a question that I probably know the answer to, but I just want to hear the answer out loud. Um, so, oh my goodness, what in the world would motivate an insurance company to stop doing business in a market? The easiest way that I can explain it to you is to tell you to think of yourself as renting something. Mm-hmm. You rent a service. Let's say you rent a ladder. And you say, okay, if you rent my ladder every month, if you use it and you need to use it to fix something on your house in the middle of the year, we'll pay for it. Well, if you're renting the ladder all month, you're getting this much money all month, Mm -hmm. I mean all year. Mm -hmm. So if they have to fix something one time, then you're okay. You still made your money. But with the individual mandate in question on whether or not people may not have to have insurance Mm -hmm. anymore, then you've got... Some people who will say, okay, well, I'm just going to walk around without insurance until I need it. Mm-hmm. So if you were the ladder salesman, what if the person says, I'm going to rent your ladder for one month, and I am going to fix, uh, I don't know, $250 worth of stuff that you can pay for. Well, if I'm getting $20 a month for a ladder, obviously I can't make ends meet, so I'm going to close down my business. Mm-hmm. That's what insurance companies do, too. If somebody's going to pay, even if it's $800, and then you're going to go in and you're going to have that knee surgery that you needed. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to cancel your insurance for the next month. Well, now you've paid the insurance company $800, and they paid your doctor in the hospital 25000 So It's not going to work. Okay. So then as soon as um, Obamacare, the Unaffordable Care Act, went into place, are you saying that what you saw was people that would come on to the exchange during the open enrollment period have all the services done that they needed to have done, and then once they were in the clear, drop their coverage? Correct, and we still see that all through the year of people trying to do that. And we nicely explain to them that it's kind of like having a car accident. You have to have the insurance in place before you have the train wreck in order for your insurance to pay, and it's the same thing, and you have to keep it in place. Right. So, folks, if you haven't heard that analogy before, lock that one away in your brain. We're 
you know, we want to take care of everybody, but pre-existing conditions, the purpose of putting a pre-existing condition clause out there is so that people are more responsibility and take a responsibility for carrying health insurance throughout the year. If every American citizen were doing this, then we would have more money going in the system and increases would slow down. But what we have happening is people that are not taking responsibility for themselves or their families, and they're getting health insurance during the open enrollment, spending the insurance company's dollars, and then dropping the coverage when they no longer need it. So think about that, like Holly said, with a car. If in the auto insurance world we were allowed to have a wreck, then get insurance, get our car fixed, and then drop our auto insurance again, you can quickly imagine what the profitability would be for those auto insurance companies. And this is why we've seen so many companies drop out of the Georgia markets and so many others. I believe it's Nevada is about to have zero option in, is it 11 out of 17 of their counties, or is it one option? Uh, I think it's it's most of them that I, don't have any options. Right. I think it's 11 out of 17 counties now have zero options because the health insurance company in their state has has dropped out. So let's talk a little bit about how the mandate started out. So when Obamacare, the Unaffordable Care Act, began in 2014, the penalties were were really kind of nominal. And I don't know why they created it that way in the beginning, because if the idea was that the young and healthy were supposed to get on in order to offset the old and sick, then they should have made the penalty a lot more stringent from the get-go. So in 2014, any adult that cannot prove on their taxes, there's a line item on your taxes now, that asks you if you have had health insurance. And as Holly was saying earlier, the IRS is still going to ask you that question on your taxes. And if you don't have a good answer for it, you're going to have a penalty, which um, 2014, it started out at $95 per adult. Per year. Yeah, per year. (laughs) Yeah, so not scary at all. $95, no big deal. Um, In 2015... It was $325 per adult per year. And then in 2016, it jumped up to $695 per adult per year. So what that means in a household where there's a mom, a dad, and a couple of children, a family could have had up to $2,085 in penalties or Two and a half percent of their taxable income, whichever is greater, whichever is greater. So I'll have to grab a calculator in a minute and figure out which is greater. So, Holly, I think we started to talk about the 2017 numbers. Was that something you had had handy? Yeah, the 20. Well, the 2017 numbers are still being put up on the IRS right now. Uh, for what's going to happen because obviously we don't file our 2017 taxes until April of next year mm-hmm. or a lot of people don't until April of next year between January and April mm-hmm. so uh, I don't think it's actually scheduled to go up any higher than it is for this year I think it was supposed to cap out at this but again it depends on what the government does with the health care plan 
right now they're planning on abolishing it. Well, uh, all right, so Obamacare is set to implode in, well, I mean, it, it is imploding. There's no set to. Uh, if carriers are pulling out, there's nothing to offer. Um, and there's no mandate to purchase. So if there's no mandate to purchase, and that that's going to undermine, first off, the pre-existing condition, because then you've got the healthy people who are not going to purchase the insurance because there are a lot of people even with that small number that still will get the insurance rather than to get the penalty because they just don't want to deal with the penalty so but if you take out you know if you take out the dollar from the healthy people then you've got only sick people theoretically with the few healthy people mixed in the insurance carriers are going to pull out mm-hmm. the insurance carriers pull out we have no one left and in my opinion, that's what the Affordable Care Act actually was trying to accomplish, was to bring us to a single-payer system. And a lot of people say, oh, single-payer is great. I talked to so-and-so that lives in England or so-and-so that lives in Canada, and they are great if you have an emergency, need an emergency surgery, like you're taken to the ER, or you're healthy and never have a problem. If you develop a brain tumor or you develop an issue like that, that's where you start seeing single payer. So if you start thinking about friends and family that have health problems, those are not emergencies. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be taken by number based on how they think it's going to work out. So your 75-year-old fit as a fiddle person who's on the golf course every day but just needs, you know, I, I don't know, a vein replaced in his knee, mm-hmm. he's not going to get that because the outcomes aren't good in general for most 75-year-olds that are that age. Well, I mean, you think about uh, who's coming to America for what. People are coming to America for their health care. You don't see, um, aside from medical tourism for cosmetic procedures um, or even lap band surgery, you see medical tourism for that, where people are going to another country, spending less money at these luxury hospitals, and then staying there for a portion of their recovery. But in terms of basic care or cancer treatments, that's where you see people coming from Canada to America for their care and paying out of their own pocket. So that tells you something about the overall health system right there. You don't see Americans sneaking over the border into Canada for cancer treatment or heart surgery, and you don't see Americans sneaking into any other countries to try and gain citizenship there because this is still the best country on the earth, and that's why we need to pull our act together and figure out ways to uh, to get everybody moving on the same page. Um, Holly, I, I remember last year, um, around about October, you and I were on the phone and people were calling you about their increases and you made the funniest comment, uh, that doing, uh, as you were answering the phone calls about individual policies and the increases that you were getting, you were like, it was phone, like phone banking for Donald Trump. I just thought that was hilarious. So so last year, as all these increases came in, tell me about some of these conversations. Yeah, it was very political last year on the phone because, uh, as you know, it was a very interesting time for an election. And people, at the same time that the election was really getting hot, were getting these 25 to 50% increases on their health insurance. 
and they wanted to tell me all about, well, what do you think, what do you think is going to happen if, if Hillary gets in? What do you think is going to happen if Trump gets in? And so I got really good at, at researching all of those, and it was. It was literally like um, like volunteering on the Trump campaign because there was really nothing I could say that was going to be good if we continued on Obamacare because we're looking again at a 25% increase if mm-hmm. nothing happens, and that's a minimum. I haven't actually seen the numbers, but I, that's what I've heard from the carriers. Yeah. Okay, so when we come back from this break, let's talk more about what's going to be going on with the increases for the coming year. See you guys back in a few seconds. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Michael Connolly inviting you to listen each Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern to my show, Our Constitution, only on America's Web Radio. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, listeners, and thank you for staying with us. We are back to episode two of the insurance deal. I am your host, Ellen Deal. And if you have any questions to send in to me, you can email me at idealsolutions at gmail.com. And that's I-D-I-E-H-L solutions at gmail.com. We are very lucky to have with us as our guest today, Holly Conley, Vice President of Insurance Now. And we were talking about some, uh, I think, very riveting information. And um, we're going to continue on with that. Holly, recap for us what you were saying just before we left off. Oh, yeah. We were talking about 
the increases that people got because the letters went out that they were going to have an increase of you know, 25 to 50 percent. And these are the increases from 2016, like October 2016. Right. And these are increases in their monthly premiums, mm-hmm. 20 to 25 to 50 percent. Or in many cases, in most cases, uh, they had to find altogether new insurance because their carrier pulled out of the state because there were six carriers that left last year. So imagine getting getting a, a letter in the mail that either says, hey, we know you've been paying us $500 a month, but now we want 25 to 50% more. Or worse than that, getting a letter in the mail saying, hey, we know you've been paying $5 a month, but that's so not even cutting it that we're leaving altogether. Good luck. Sayonara find one of the carriers that's left in the state. How many phone calls like that did you end up with? Oh, I couldn't even tell you. It was in the thousands. I couldn't even tell you. We worked 20-hour shifts during that time, literally, in our office because there's just no getting to everybody in that short period of time where we have to write the entire United States. In our case, we're just focusing on Georgia. But that's a lot of clients to try to get situated in you know, that shorter period of time. So now what you have in this next coming open enrollment, the new open enrollment period is 15 days less. And this is Obamacare, you guys. Do not, don't, don't get it mistaken. This is Obamacare that's still in place. This is why repeal and replace is so important. If we don't get a change, we're continuing to hurdle down this road. There's, it's like there's no driver at the wheel. Um, and if it is a driver, it's a drunk driver behind the wheel. So we're looking at fewer options in the state of Georgia, 15 less days for people to make their decisions. Uh, it's like it's like a game of musical chairs, and instead of taking out one chair, they took out six chairs at a time. True, and one of those chairs that was taken out was a POS plan. POS, for those of you that don't know, is a plan where you have a larger network of doctors. You can go in or out of network. In many cases, the network extends all over the country as opposed to just in the state of Georgia or the area of Atlanta. Um, And those have been pulled off the market since last year. And that was where the majority of people who had tax credits had their coverage mm-hmm. was through those POS plans. Hmm. Um, I want to make sure to talk about the 7-to-1 the ratio that got crushed to a 3-to-1 ratio, but there was another point that, that you had started to make that I want you to go into uh, it, about the mandates, if you would, Holly. Uh, on the mandates that you're talking about, the mandates for uh, the proposed plan, Uh, um, Weren't you saying that the mandates, if the mandates aren't being imposed, that people are dropping? Yeah, one of the things uh, that you may have heard about the Congressional Budget Office looking at the new Senate GOP repeal bill that they have out. And I know you've heard it on most news channels. Uh, You've heard, oh, people are going to lose coverage. 15 million more people are going to lose coverage if this goes into effect. The findings from the Congressional Budget Office said, and I quote, 15 million more people would be uninsured in 2018, largely due to elimination of the Affordable Care Act's tax penalty for not having insurance. What that means is if they take that individual mandate out, which says that you will no longer get that penalty for not having coverage, they're going to say, oh, well, 
then we are not going to take the insurance in if there's no penalty because we don't need insurance right now. We're healthy. So, see, this is where vocabulary becomes so important. When you are talking about a tax, but you call it a mandate, it's the same thing as saying illegal immigrant when really what you're saying is illegal alien or undocumented immigrant. Once you start changing the words from what it really is, you lose the meaning of what it is. So, an illegal alien is an illegal alien, not an undocumented immigrant. And when you remove a mandate, what you're removing is a tax. So hear this. If the mandate, the tax, is removed, you're going to have people who say, oh, psh, I don't have to pay for this health insurance anymore. And that's where the $20 million are coming from. Yeah, that's where a majority of them are coming from, per the Congressional Budget Office. But all you hear on the news is, oh, 15 million people are going to lose insurance. And they're, again, vocabulary. They're not going to lose their insurance. They're going to drop their insurance. So instead of when the mandate goes away, these people will lose their insurance. Here's the vocabulary lesson, folks. When the tax is no longer enforced, people are going to drop their insurance. And that's the reality of what we're looking at. Yeah, and that is voluntarily drop their insurance, not drop it because they can't, you know, they can't afford the penalty or they're going to have their conditions no longer covered. It is dropping it voluntarily because they're not being penalized for not having it. Right, not being taxed. And Ooh. that's per the Congressional Budget Office. Ooh, we're going to have to do a whole show on vocabulary, folks. We're just going to sit down with the Webster's Dictionary. We're going to take words like mandate. We're going to take words like tax. And we're going to break it down. Um, Holly, I was actually sitting here remembering some things that had occurred early on when Obamacare, the Unaffordable Care Act, went into place. One of the first things, I don't know if you remember this from back when I was at Blue Cross Blue Shield repping individual products, remember the child-only policies that we used to be able to sell? Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first unintended consequences of Obamacare, was it that, what, how did the rule change? Do you remember what the verbiage was on the rule changing? On the child only policy? Was it that, um, I think it was that you couldn't ask health questions anymore, or did it? They had to be, the child only policies had to be guarantee issued, uh, which, which was fine, and that was all good and well. But then, really, the big thing is when Obamacare came out, you couldn't get the child-only policies with a tax credit. Okay. So one of the first unintended consequences of Obamacare was the insurance company said, you know what, if you're going to tell us how to do our child-only policies, we're just going to not do the child-only policies anymore. Oh, yeah. And that was one of the things that, you know, an employee could have their coverage through their employer at work and buy a less expensive child-only policy. But... uh, when you have people in government making decisions about health insurance and they have no idea, that would be like me. Okay, I, have, I know nothing about sports. Let me let me preface this with I don't know anything about sports. So now imagine you send me out to the new Braves stadium and you go, Ellen, create the rules 
before this baseball game. I'll be like, okay, everybody's going to run counterclockwise. And before you get close to the base, you need to do a cartwheel or a handspring. I don't know. Seriously, it's that stupid. Don't ask me to set up your rules on sports because I don't understand sports. And don't ask people in the government that come from the banking industry and who knows what all, career politicians, to explain health insurance or make it work. So, that being said, Holly, do you remember when there was, was it a 7 to 1 ratio or a 10 to 1 ratio on the rates? Uh, that was one of the other things that changed. So, Oh, oh between the youngest person and yes. the oldest person. Okay, got it. Yeah, because we're hearing a lot about that. Right. Um, yeah, it was, I believe it was a 10 to 1 ratio. I think it was. Because we could easily insure a child for $30. Mm-hmm. Very easily. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and now when you look at it, the reason that the 18-year-olds are so expensive now mm-hmm. is because there's only a three-to-run ratio between the 65-year-old and the 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, they're not going to reduce the rate for the 65-year-old who has, on average, multiple health conditions. So they're going to raise the rates on the teenagers. So same thing will happen. They're going to increase that to a five-to-1 ratio, I believe it is, on the new mandate as it stands. And it doesn't mean that it's going up for older people. It hopefully means it's going down for younger people. Yeah. And before we check out, guys, let me break that down for you real quick. If this was car insurance and there was a 10 to ratio in place, so someone that drove a 10-year-old Hyundai had low, low insurance, and someone that drove a brand-new $300,000 Lamborghini paid the highest amount of insurance, instead of there being a 10 to 1 ratio on that cost, if it got crushed to a three to one ratio, the people that were driving the 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 lower unexpensive cars would be dropping out of the insurance and the Lamborghini people would be paying through the nose. So we need to go back from the three to one ratio to that ten to one ratio, spread the costs over where they need to be. You guys, our hour has flown by so fast. This has been the insurance deal. It's been my pleasure spending week two with you. Thank you so much, Holly, for being our very special guest today and uh, we hope you have enjoyed the show. Have a great day. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Dr. George from Peach Street ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you will be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed, and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered, because Peace Tree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.